Good day on the Rural Radio Network gets underway, and Bob Brogan now has a microphone. Is that going to work okay? You want to check that one for us, please? I think it's going to work. Check one, two, three. Symbolance. Symbolance. You would think a guy who's worked in radio, what, how long now, Bob? 35 years. These are Sennheisers. They're they're almost the best. That's right. But whenever that mic happens to fall off, which isn't often, but occasionally it does... Bob always needs assistance from either myself or Joe. Yeah. The design is odd. It's German. That's what it is. If you're not good with German, you're not going to be able to mount a Sennheiser. That's what I always say. It's time to find out what's going on on today's program. We'll go on over to the midday ag news with Joe Gangwish. That means it's a goose-stepping microphone? That's exactly what it means, okay. yes. All right. In ag news, Senate Ag Committee held a hearing this morning on pesticide registration. We'll have that coming up at 1213. Also, Representative Roger Marshall from Kansas taking some input on the farm bill. He has some thoughts on crop insurance. That'll be on the way in ag news dewey is with us at 1219 with dean hefta of water street solutions getting their market perspectives today our newsmaker is dan hallstrom he's from the u.s meat export federation talking about the south korean market for our beef and a little bit of good news in that report also at 117 jesse harding has the full interview with kansas representative roger marshall i think he's got some hearing sessions uh, coming up uh, around the state of Kansas, around his district. So we'll get an update on that at 117. All right, very good. Over to sports we go, and uh, just about to hit the road, Jason Jorgensen. Yeah, state soccer tonight. So state soccer is going on in Omaha. Had some issues with the rain and some thunderstorms yesterday, but yeah. sounds like everything's going pretty well today. So yeah. I will touch on that coming up in sports. Also, we'll touch on the Husker baseball team. They continue to play very well. Since they were knocked off by Creighton in the middle of April, the Huskers have now gone 10-2. and And at the time that game took place, Coach Erstad said, hey, that might have been a wake-up call that we need to get us going, and they've been energized ever since. We'll get his thoughts on that. Also coming up in sports, we'll talk some Husker softball. It's a Big Ten softball tournament is underway. The Huskers, who are the fifth seed, will play Penn State at 12.30 Central Time. We will hear from Coach Ravel. Also, it's not, I wouldn't say a grade A day for track and field across the state, but it's better than usual. So uh, districts wrapping up today in classes B and C. So the kids will have to deal a little bit with some wind, but... As we all know, it's been worse. (laughs) It was for much of the spring for the poor kids. And, uh, of course, behind the big Sennheiser there is Bob Brogan. I am behind the big Sennheiser. We can make it deeper for you, too. (laughs) I don't think... No, now it's it's dipping. Um, Where were we? Uh, Your base roll-off switch is showing... Stocks are falling a little bit today. Jobless claims dip. Uh, Wholesale prices are jumping. Lots of things are moving around. Mortgage rates inch higher. Also, General Motors is extending the warranty on thousands of older cars and SUVs after their headlights can suddenly go dark. And that is a problem. That wouldn't be a good thing to have happen to you. No, it wouldn't. Uh, one time that happened to me out in the country when it was dark. And I can tell you, that's a scary situation. Paul Perkins sits down and uh, got to be careful because you get sitting down too far south, you're going to get yourself wet. Yes, especially in portions of western Kansas. They've had about two to five inches and 
many locations of uh, western Kansas. Flooding being reported across rural parts of many counties there and many county roads underwater. We had a report of 3.8 inches. That's the biggest so far that we've seen. That was towards the Oakley, Kansas area in western Kansas. Wow. And our ag weather is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And they do have a flood warning in effect. It remains. It's been extended. Basically, Goodland on over to Hoxie, south to Tribune and Leota. That's where we do have a flood warning in effect until 10.15 Mountain Time tonight and also 11.15 Central Time for those areas where they've seen some very heavy rains, 2 to 5 inches with, once again, flooding in many parts of those rural counties. Low pressure tracking east along the Kansas border, keeping those rain chances very likely across Kansas for today. Some of that leaking across the Nebraska-Kansas border from right now from about McCook, still on over to about Hebron and also into the southeast corner. So about that one tier of counties across Nebraska seeing some light rain. Then that light rain continuing to fall over much of northwest and north central Kansas, Phillipsburg, back to around Goodland and Sharon Springs. Some spotty light rain or sprinkles may make it up to around I-80 in central uh, or in Nebraska, but most of the rain expected to stay in far southern areas of Nebraska. That area of low pressure departs for tonight. And high pressure pushing in from the northwest. It's starting to return some sunshine to much of Nebraska, but we will see that ridge of high pressure push farther east tonight into the weekend for some mainly clear skies and dry conditions. And we'll get underneath that ridge of high pressure to see some daytime temperatures warm to above normal. Low pressure begins to approach from the southwest early next week. And Temperatures will stay on the mild side with that system, and some spotty thunderstorm chances start to return early next week. In the long term, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas start out warmer than normal the middle of next week. Then we see a transition to cooler than normal by next weekend through May 24th. The precipitation forecast in Nebraska and Kansas expects it to be wetter than normal Tuesday through the 24th, thanks to a trough of low pressure that is going to get set up across the western third of the country. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the upper 40s in northwest and north uh, central Nebraska. Along and north of I-80 in the rest of Nebraska, soil temperatures in the low 50s. Soil temperatures in the upper 50s were found south of I-80 into western Kansas. Central and east Kansas soil temperatures on into the low 60s. It continues to look good on the latest regional drought monitor that's out for today. The only concern for dryness through this last Tuesday was abnormally dry conditions from Grand Island to York and from Imperial to Sydney. And, of course, we got those rains Tuesday night, so we should see improvement in that, maybe be drought-free next week. In the markets today, weather factors include improving fieldwork conditions for the Midwest and rain across Europe, a storm over the central and southern plains drifting to the east and then the northeast to maintain rainy weather along its path. Now, the rain will just graze the wet areas of the south and east production areas of the Midwest. In the south and east Midwest, a drier and warmer pattern is expected in the next 10 days to help out with their field work. Drier and mild weather will continue in the north and west Midwest, also the northern plains in the near term. And there is a good chance, though, of increasing rain activity across the northern plains after the weekend. In the southern plains, rain and warm weather benefiting the winter wheat, but it is slowing the planting progress. Kansas row crop planting behind average, and there's still no definite estimate of what the wheat yield loss 
was after the April 30th snowstorm. Moderate to heavy rain in Europe is forecast for the south and southeast part of Europe through the weekend to keep soil moisture at adequate to surplus levels. Dryness, though, still indicated over much of north and west Europe, especially towards France and Spain. Right, but there are por- portions of Kansas that just can't cut a break with regard to the weather, can they? Yeah, this, you look at western Kansas, uh, the snowstorm on the 30th, yeah. and then uh, these flooding conditions right now they're, they're seeing. Yep, and not not to mention the, the fires that occurred uh, further south a little bit earlier on. So, yep. aerial flood warning does continue. Gove, Logan, Sheridan, Thomas, Wallace in uh, both Kansas, uh, uh, Kansas and in Colorado at this time. And we want to remind you that your ag weather has been brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and uh, whenever you need weather anytime, krbn.com. Here's an update of Ag Information. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. The Senate Ag Committee held a hearing this morning on pesticide registration. Susan Littlefield has more on pesticides in their relation to endangered species. During the pesticide registration hearing this morning, North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp asked if endangered species and the USDA work together when it comes to pesticide registration. Dr. Cheryl Kunikas is director for the Office of Pest Management Policy at the USDA. USDA does not have a formal role in ESA consultation. Consultation occurs between EPA and the services, meaning Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Marine Fisheries Services. We are a side partner, I'll say. We can provide data, any information on crop production, any uh, crop production practices, how pesticides are used. Uh, We are always available to provide that information, but we do not have a role, a formal role in consultation. Do you think you should have a formal role in consultation? I think it would be extremely helpful. Extremely helpful to have a voice at the table on behalf of our agricultural producers. I do too. Yes, ma'am. Chairman Senator Pat Roberts asked Senator Heitkamp if she would be introducing legislation to make that happen. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Costco officials have given final approval for construction of the company's planned chicken processing operation in eastern Nebraska. Company Vice President of Real Estate Jackie Frank said yesterday that site work could begin the next few weeks. A ceremonial groundbreaking is planned for June. Costco would invest about $280 million to build the plant, hatchery, and feed mill complex. Supporters say area farmers would raise chickens to be slaughtered at the facility, and the system could generate about $1.2 billion annually for the eastern Nebraska economy. Elected officials and farm groups gearing up for the next farm bill. More on that from Jesse Harding. Crop insurance always becomes a dominating discussion with a farm bill. And Representative Roger Marshall from Kansas, who is on the House Agriculture Committee, says he expects it to stay. Certainly I've talked to hundreds of producers, if not thousands, and and every one of them, most every one of them tells me the most important part of any farm bill, the backbone of every farm bill, is crop insurance. So I think we need to prioritize that. And what I try to share with people we, uh, that are non-farm people is to say, look, this country spends about $28 per person on crop insurance. And, th- and for that, we get a safe, reliable, affordable food source 
It's one of the best bargains, one of the best investments the federal government has. Representative Marshall thinks tweaking of Title I will most likely happen to ARC and PLC, but in the short term, he is more concerned about trade. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Farmland values softened in parts of the farm belt, but gained in others in the first quarter of 2017. Midwestern Fed banks reported that today. Prices for non-irrigated cropland in the Kansas City Fed District, which includes states like Kansas and Nebraska, fell 3% versus a year ago, and irrigated land values also declined. With the farm economy stuck in a multi-year funk, Iowa soybean producers see trade as one of the big opportunities for improving their economic situation. More than a third of 133 soybean farmers surveyed by AgriPulse in a survey said passing new trade agreements is the most important national issue facing profitability on their farm. Coming in second was maintaining the renewable fuel standard, followed by reducing regulatory burdens at 13.5%. More on that study by going to RuralRadio.com. That's Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. In the grain markets today, corn and soybeans lower, but wheat has advanced somewhat. With us today, Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, give us a little assessment here as to what you think this corn and soybean market might be doing. Well, you know... <laughs> Corn continues to trade inside its uh, range that's spent 85% of its time in since last fall, and just more consolidation, more consolidation. That just tells you that buyers and sellers are, are pretty content with price. Uh, the last several weeks, we've basically been in a you know 15-cent range, and every rally gets sold and every break gets bought, uh, especially here against, you know, against the, the core of the growing season as we work to try to get the crop planted. We've made good progress in the west and northwest, Still some challenges with replant and just weather cooperation in the east, but market is always reluctant to buy into any type of planting delays or issues like that. The real the real question is going to be what June and the summer outlook looks like as we get into June. What about export sales? I don't think they were really impressive this morning, were they? Yeah, I'd say that's an understatement. So, um, you know, the corn came in well below the expected range of ideas. And even the inspections uh, earlier this week were disappointing on corn. Uh, wheat, we had some cancellation, so uh, exports actually came in negative. Uh, the soybean complex was pretty much on expectations as far as export sales. You look at wheat today, we are advancing a little, and that's probably just, what, traders buying wheat, selling soybeans? Yeah, you got some spreading. Uh, it's still a huge short position. Um, Minneapolis is leading the way as far as support today and in the wheat complex, um, but you know, just just kind of an uneventful day following yesterday's uh, USDA report information. We're talking with Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. What do you hear on the side as far as maybe other influences to this commodity trade today? Yeah, you know, you you, uh, you look around and you do have gold uh, higher. You have the energies a bit higher. Uh, the dollar has. Um, has had some uh, stronger trade recently, but all things considered, compared to where it's been the past few months, it, it's relatively weak, and so that's helping on the export side, but uh, still it's kind of consolidating as well. So kind of mixed trade across the commodity complex, and grains are no exception. Sometimes you get this kind of broad commodity sell-off. We're not quite there today, given the fact that wheat has advanced, but nevertheless, we could be due for 
maybe a turnaround, not just in wheat, but in corn in the eventual, um, I guess, near term? Yeah, I think if you look at the, the fact that the funds are quite short in their position, you know, on one side, and then you've got the, the long farmer and, and the unknown crop coming in, you would expect that as we move into the growing season, you're going to see some weather headlines that come around to give us some short covering opportunities to get some better sales on than what the market's giving us right now. When we've got seven months that we've been in a trading range somewhat like 360 to 380, today is no exception. We're at 370 and a half. It's going to take something to be, to get out of this, I guess. Yeah, and the one thing is, you know, the longer any market trades sideways, the more energy it coils up for when it finally does make a move. So once something does happen, it, it could get interesting. Thanks. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. More questions of Dean? Call 866-249-2528 or go to waterstreet.org. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports now with Jason Jorgenen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, and you continued its strong run of play of late as the Huskers knocked off Creighton last night 4 to nothing. Since losing to the Blue Jays back in mid-April, the Huskers have gone 10-2 and during that stretch, and head coach Darren Erstad likes the Huskers' approach. One of our best qualities is when we bring our lunch pail, which we do a lot of the time. You know, we're fun to watch, and we're tough, and, and uh, very rarely do they come out and not be like that. So I just reminded them that, uh, you know, hey, we had a little hiccup, and, and uh, yeah, at this point of the year, we know what's at stake, and our guys are ready to play. They're excited, and uh, I just I thought they really held their emotions well today. And again, we're not doing anything that we're not capable of doing, just going out there and playing solid baseball. And Erstad made his comments on the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska is now 30-16-1 on the season. Sophomore right-hander Ethan Frazier made his third start, and he was able to go four scoreless innings last night for the Huskers. Nebraska will host Michigan State in the three-game series this weekend. That starts tomorrow night. The Big Ten softball tournament is underway. NU is the fifth seed and takes on Penn State in just a little bit. Now, it was certainly an up-and-down regular season for the Huskers, and head coach Ron Rebell hopes the postseason goes smoother for the Big Red. Our season hasn't been our best by any stretch, but the one thing I'll say about our team is that we have not, we've not backed down and we continue to fight and and that's where we are as we enter the second season. That Nebraska-Penn State matchup is scheduled to start in about 10 minutes. Former UNK All-American linebacker Tyke Kozel of Sargent has received a tryout offer from the Philadelphia Eagles. He becomes the 11th Loper since 2000 to try out for an NFL club or sign a free agent deal. Now, if that tryout goes well, Kozel will stick around for the Eagles' rookie camp, which is slated for this weekend. And the Connecticut Sun have signed former Huskers star Jordan Hooper off of waivers. Originally drafted out of Nebraska with a 13th overall pick in the second round of the 2014 WNBA draft by the Tulsa Shock, the 6'2 forward appeared in over 100 games with the franchise. The 2014 Big Ten Player of the Year has averaged about five points and two rebounds per game in her WNBA career. District track is slated for classes B and C today across Nebraska. The state girls soccer tournament is also continuing in Omaha. Class A girls, first game of the day was won by Lincoln Southwest as they shut out Millard South 2 to nothing. That's a check of sports. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies tonight, lows in the 40s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Governor Pete Ricketts. 
Governor Pete Ricketts is raising concerns that the state could collect less revenue than expected in the final months of the current fiscal year. He said the state would have to collect $835 million over the next two months to meet estimated revenue in the fiscal year that ends June 30th. During the same period last year, Nebraska state government received $793 million. Ricketts says it's possible the state could collect enough to match the estimates, but revenue would have to grow by more than 5%. He says that's unlikely given the struggling agricultural economy. Ricketts says the state needs to constrain spending, but declined to say what he'll do with the budget recently approved by lawmakers. Investigators say an inmate accused of shooting two deputies, killing one in an Iowa jail escape, somehow managed to unlock his shackles inside a transport van. Court records presented at the 24-year-old Wesley Korea Carmenati's initial court hearing say he was in handcuffs and leg shackles May 1st when he was taken from a courthouse to the Potawatomi County Jail, but he had unlocked them by the time the van reached the jail. Police say a struggle ensued between Correa Carmenati and the deputies and that Correa Carmenati managed to grab one's gun. Police say he shot Deputy Mark Burbridge in the head and Deputy Pat Morgan in the abdomen before taking both deputies' guns, ammunition, and the keys to the van. Burbridge died. Morgan is recovering. Correa Carmenati was recaptured in Omaha. A federal judge has given Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach until Friday to give the American Civil Liberties Union two documents outlining proposed changes to a federal voting law. U.S. District Judge Julie Robinson said that she met privately, reviewed documents, including the one Kobach was photographed taking into a meeting with then-President-elect Donald Trump in November. President Donald Trump is launching a commission to review alleged voter fraud and voter suppression in the U.S. election system. That's according to three White House officials who say he'll sign an executive order later today. Trump has alleged, without evidence, that three to five million people voted illegally in the 2016 campaign against Democrat Hillary Clinton. The panel is expected to include both Republicans and Democrats. Whether you missed the game or need to replay that on-air interview, catch up with a podcast at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. According to a recent report released by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the South Korean market is a strong one for U.S. livestock. I'm Shaylee Peters for the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with us today about that is Senior Vice President of Marketing for the U.S. MEF, Dan Halstrom. And Dan, in that report, you touched on how strong this is specifically for beef and pork. Can you expand on that some more for us here? We're off to a very good start in 2017, uh, uh, both on pork and, and beef into uh, Korea. Uh, we have uh, volumes up uh, for the first quarter through March, uh, up about 31% on the uh, pork side, and on the beef side, we're up about 23%. So uh, hitting all cylinders, so to speak, into Korea. There's a, there's probably a combination of things that are uh, adding to that, but uh, I'm going to take pork first. Um, you know, there's a huge market for further processing, raw material going into further processing, a lot of butts, a lot of picnics, things like this going in there. Um, the demand continues to grow generically. Uh, there's a lot of increased demand. 
And, of course, uh, we have the Chorus FTA agreement, which uh, has us uh, basically duty-free now uh, on U.S. port going into Korea. So that's, uh, like I said, a combination of demand and access uh, availability. So on the pork side, it's been a, it's been a, a large success story. Uh, beef as well. <clears throat> beef, not to be outdone, the beef side uh, is also hitting on all cylinders going into Korea. Uh, as I said, we're up about 23% through the first three months. And that's a combination of a, a couple of things. Um, retail market and, and the food service sector is also big for imported U.S. beef. And uh, the uh, the first quarter chilled beef exports, uh, chilled basis that comes in there, is up almost 78%. Um, and this is uh, a lot of this going into the into both retail and the restaurant sectors, and and a really interesting story on the retail side, Costco in Korea, uh, they have uh, 15 uh, warehouses uh, with two new ones opening this year, so a total of 15. Um, they were uh, 100% chilled Australian last year, um, and they have now made a decision to switch over to 100% chilled U.S. beef. So. Uh, that's a huge success. Uh, we really haven't had uh, the majority of that market since BSE in 2003, so uh, good to be patient. Thirteen years later, we, we have that market back, so we're excited about that going forward. All right, a couple of questions for you then. First of all, what spurred the decision for them to switch over from Australian beef to our U.S. beef? And then also talk about the importance of, you know, this is kind of a leery time for trade, specifically uh, agricultural trade. So seeing these successful markets like South Korea is very encouraging. Touch on that a little bit as well. Yeah, well, I think I don't want to speak for Costco, but we've been working very closely with them in, in a lot of countries. We, we're, we're very uh, engaged with them in Mexico, Canada, uh, Japan, and of course Korea. And uh, I think Korea it was a combination of things. Uh, uh, number one, uh, that that attraction towards the high high quality U.S. grain fed uh, beef is uh, and, the, and the intramuscular fat, the marbling. Um, this is something that, uh, from a quality standpoint, they love. And I think that compared with uh, the supplyability, we have increased supply now, a little bit more competitive pricing compared to a couple of years ago. I think all these things combined. Um, have have uh, convinced them to uh, to go back to 100% U.S. beef. So, you know, we're we're constantly in in touch with them uh, as an industry and as USMEF supporting the U.S. industry. Uh, so I think the the hard work has paid off, and now now the key is to keep them as U.S. going forward. Um, as far as trade agreements go, yeah, I mean uh, the the FTAs, Chorus, NAFTA, etc. You know, getting us the access so we're on a level playing field is invaluable, and uh, and I think this is a good example of showing how uh, how the industry has capitalized on the opportunities FTAs provide us. Do you see strength in this market specifically moving forward? Well, yes, I, I would I would say if you look at it from a macro standpoint, um, yes, most definitely that there's opportunity going forward. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking generically here because, you know, in any given market, there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But in general, uh, the demand is increasing globally, um, generic population growth globally, middle income growth globally, uh, combined with stagnant production globally. So, uh, you know, there's two places where there's, there's excess production, and one of them is, uh, is North 
North America, and the other one, is, uh, of course, is South America, and Australia to some extent. But uh, um, you know, we are well positioned as a reliable supplier of high-quality uh, grain-fed beef. And uh, when it comes to the grain feeding part of it, we're we're one of the uh, key suppliers globally. So. Like I said, it ebbs and flows, but in general, uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. We've had good success over the years, and, and we're off to a good start this year, but there's no reason to think that going forward there's not more opportunity. All right, very good. Any additional comments while I've got you on the line here, Dan? Well, I think, you know, for for the radio listeners, uh, you know, we're trying to tell the story of the of the of the U.S. pork producer and the U.S. beef producer in these countries, and uh, in our high quality product, safely produced product, uh, you know, sustainably produced pr- product. Uh, these are all stories that uh, that that uh, we can tell very easily um, in the international marketplace. And if it weren't for the for the great product producers that we have producing this this product, this high quality product, we couldn't get this done. So. Anyway, hats off to your listeners because, uh, you know, their hard work is starting to really pay off in the international marketplace. Dan Halstrom on the line with us today. He's the Senior Vice President of Marketing for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, talking to us about some of those very strong export markets for U.S. livestock producers and maybe where they're headed. For more on this, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Next, we'll talk livestock futures closings with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Pretty wide range of trading in the feeder cattle. Let's start there because we did end up uh, down sharply, but well off the lows of the day. Yeah, well, you know, the market really got pretty oversold. I mean, if you look at the week that we've spent in the cattle, uh, both cattle and the feeders, uh, it's been pretty hard down, and the market literally got oversold on on a short-term basis, and I think we saw that, hey, I think a few people said, hey, that's enough. I think I'll uh, uh, get out of my short position and uh, stand to the sideline for a minute. I think it's basically short covering. I don't. I have not heard of any uh, anything uh, in the cash side of things that would uh, indicate that there was any uh, higher trade going on anywhere. So uh, right now it looks just like it. Uh, nothing more than a short covering rally in both the cattle and the feeders. The cattle actually came off uh, their lows by quite a ways too. So, uh, but we still finished lower right straight across the board. The hogs, something very similar to yesterday. May finishes a little bit higher, and the rest of them just a little bit lower. Uh, it, very interesting. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, cash still uh, pretty firm. Cutouts uh, uh, managing to hold on to basically most of their gains. So uh, right now it's just led by the uh, May contract, uh, still well ahead of the index, but the index is jumping in uh, leaps and bounds. So as far as livestock are concerned, uh, still pretty good market. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.
It's a busy time in Washington, D.C. Going to get an update now for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with me is Representative Roger Marshall from Kansas. You currently sit on the House Agriculture Committee. Obviously, thoughts on that for the 2018 Farm Bill. There's a lot of different aspects and a lot of different farm groups are trying to weigh in where that bill will go. What are some of the things that are on your mind when it does come to the Farm Bill? Well, certainly I've talked to hundreds of producers, if not thousands, and, and every one of them, most every one of them tells me the most important part of any farm bill, the backbone of every farm bill, is crop insurance. So I think we need to prioritize that. And what I try to share with people we, uh, that are non-farm people is to say, look, this country spends about $28 per person on crop insurance. And, th- and for that, we get a safe, reliable, affordable food source one of the best bargains, one of the best investments the federal government has. Uh, beyond crop insurance, I think we need to tweak the Title I, the PLC, and the ARC a little bit. Uh, some people concerned about how we're counting bushels per acre or some of those types of things. So I think, I think there's some minor tweaks, nothing in huge in revolution. Uh, to be frank, I'm probably more concerned about trade right now than I am the farm bill. And when it does come to trade, there's a lot of different aspects going on. Obviously, trade to Mexico with the new administration, currently with Canada as well. Where are things sitting for you right now? Well, where are things sitting with me? I, I'm, I'm incredibly always optimistic. Uh, like every person, when the president did away with TPP, I was, my radar went way up and was very concerned. Uh, when there was... You talk from the presidential office about slashing NAFTA as well, I became even more concerned. Certainly most of us realize that Mexico and Canada are our biggest trade partners, and we need to work very hard to, to make sure we have a great trade relationship with them. We're really excited to have Sonny Perdue finally confirmed, was very disappointed that he got held up in the, in the Senate over politics, and not his own politics, but getting a Supreme Court judge confirmed. So we're excited to be working with with Governor, now Secretary Purdue. We're excited that Bob Lighthizer, maybe we'll get it confirmed uh, this week sometime. and look forward to working with him. You've been pretty proactive when it comes to trade with Cuba, and the Obama administration really made strides there for agriculture products and trade there. What are some things that you would like to see happen? A group of congressmen and myself were able to go venture down there and had an excellent visit. And they're making great strides, I think, towards a, a... more of a socialistic, away from communism, towards socialism. Uh, lots of people's new capitalistic type of jobs going on. So I do think there's a great opportunity. Um, you know, specifically, what we the first thing we need to do is allow American companies to finance uh, agriculture products because we could sell, we can sell them products, but right now France is giving them. I believe uh, 400 days of financing. So we need to be able to let American banks uh, finance uh, our agricultural products going across there. And I, I, it's not a huge, huge market. It's 11 million people. They do have 4 million tourists per year. And what do tourists like to do on those cruise ships? They like to eat all day long. So we need to make sure those tourists have access to a nice, high-protein diet with some good Nebraska, Kansas beef, and... Um, uh, along with some good solid Kansas wheat for their baked goods. So we, we think there's an opportunity there. We've been talking with Representative Roger Marshall discussing some of the things that he is working on in Kansas and in Washington, D.C. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
Grain markets today saw lower corn and soybean futures a little bit higher in the wheat. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Another, now let's say it's uh, less than exciting day as far as the trade was concerned. Yeah, we could just take this segment and probably run it over and over again because it's pretty much the same every day. We're stuck right around 440 July Kansas wheat, corn, you know, 370, we'll call it, and uh, beans three in the three in the 960s. Uh, you know, the, the the story's been told, you know, big crops uh, on, on the supply side, but uh, weather problems that, that are keeping prices buoyed here don't have much here. It's... Uh, you know, maybe some fungal diseases that we're hearing popping up on wheat. Uh, did have some folks out in the uh, kind of north, I'd say the western part of Kansas, to have a big basis jump uh, in corn. But other than that, it's been slow. Uh, poor exports today, but market didn't really care as we rallied uh, most of the session. So before we open. So it makes it a little more difficult for people like you to tell uh, clients on exactly the, this, uh, this progress that we might have or less than progress. Right. I mean, it's difficult. At this point, doing nothing is the right decision. I mean, we're basically trading sideways, and, you know, buying call premium has been a waste of money. Buying protection on the put side has been a waste of money. I mean, if you're on the sell side of those options, that might be something worth doing. But, again, I mean, the volatility is so low, you're really not getting paid to take that kind of risk. So, uh, I mean, I thought the report yesterday was, was pretty supportive. It's just about what this crop looks like, and tell you what, I, I would have thought, given the amount of rain we've gotten, and eastern Illinois is a mess, and, and western Indiana is a mess. Southern Illinois has major problems. We have flooding in some of those areas, but if you go into Iowa, they're probably in pretty good shape. I imagine the guys that talked to in Nebraska, pretty good shape if you really pinned them down. And at this point, it's really not the time of the year to really get a yield-driven rally. But if they start to pencil in those, those yields at lower prices, we're going to jump. I, I, I just... I, I feel it in my bones. It's just whether we're coming from 340 July or we're going to come from, uh, hmm. y- you know, $4. I, I think at this point we, we've got to run to 380 in us. At that point, I'm, I'm thinking the trade's going to need to see some proof of, of loss. But in reality, Dewey, the, the weather, the wheat probably needs to be the mover here. And at this point, we saw a little upside today, but nothing really to put our teeth into yet. Thanks, John. The 10-day, 20-day, 40-day, and even the 200-day moving average on corn, right around 370. That's how stagnant it has become. Go to danielsagmarketing.com for more information. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network.